0: What's up guys, welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Success in Dialogue, Spirituality, featuring Brendan Burke and Brendan Nell. And guys, let me tell you, I'm so excited to bring this episode to you today on a Tuesday for the first time ever under the new SID 2.0 model, in which we will be delivering two episodes per week of roughly 40 minutes in length, keeping the same great value and actually giving you more content more frequently, but as I said, with that same great value. That being said, not many messages. Please follow us on Instagram at success in dialogue on Twitter at SID podcast one. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel, like videos, turn on post notifications, all that good stuff, guys. Without further ado, I'm going to turn you over. Enjoy the episode. See you on the other side. What's up guys? Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Success in Dialogue, where today we are talking about spirituality. I am joined by two of my truly good friends and intellectual heavyweights, Brendan Nell and Brendan Burke. And it's an absolute privilege to have these guys on. I've wanted to get them to the cave for a long time, and it's finally here. The day's here. You've all submitted your questions. We'll be answering them. And just as a reminder, we are working under the brand new SID 2.0 model, where we'll be delivering two episodes of 40 minutes on Tuesday and Thursday. So we'll be hopping right into it after these guys introduce themselves. So, so glad that you guys are listening. Psyched that you are here and psyched to get going. Now, go ahead.
1: Well, Pat, first off, thank you. Uh, I can't say how much of an honor it is to be on here. Uh, those of you, those of you who don't know me. I'm Brendan Nell. Uh, Pat just calls me Nell. Yep. This Burke. Yep. All the CC boys do. Yep. Uh, I go to the University of Michigan, and I'm majoring in computer science. Ironically, yep. <laughs> um, and that is all I say for now. Burke. Uh,
2: my name is Brendan Burke. I'm six foot, two hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, man. In Michigan, It's truck. <laughs> um, I go to. Franciscan University of Steubenville With all my Steubenville people out there I love you and I miss you um, I'm studying theology and catechetics so uh, I'm just so happy to be here Patrick thank
1: you yeah. just just ask catechetics for the viewers that may not know
2: uh, that is the teaching discipline of the faith
1: not much else there
2: just yeah.
0: yeah all right then so now that you know these guys I know their story. Some of you out there might know their story, but some of you might not. So just quickly, I'm going to allow these guys to give their background and kind of give a little play to the ethos, and uh, you can kind of see why I had them on and why I listen to them all the time and and a lot of the things that they say, and we've had great conversations before. So now if you want to go first.
1: Yeah, so uh, the topic today is spirituality. Um, My spiritual journey begins... uh, I mean, from a young age, I was raised, uh, raised Catholic, um, went to catechism on Wednesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday evenings as a young kid, and uh, going into high school, I was a very, very uh, devout Catholic. Um, you know, I mean, we went to this amazing place, CC, yeah. and we had
0: Jesus Christ to thank for it. Jesus Christ is the reason for Catholic Central.
1: Exactly. You see that walking, walking into school every mm-hmm. single day. And, um, I can't pin down a single moment where I started to look elsewhere for Mm -hmm. spirituality. Um, but I know generally speaking, my fallout with Christianity, uh, began in Father Fulton's morality class. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are a number of reasons for that. I just found that, uh, the ethics that were taught often raised more questions than answers, right? I mean, there's the classic, you know... Should you steal a loaf of bread to feed your family? And that, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. Um, and then from there, um, I, my journey eventually took me towards uh, Eastern traditions, um, leading to things like Zen Buddhism, which is neither a religion nor a philosophy. But we can get into that a little bit oh, later. Oh, we will.
0: Oh, we will. We will. Bert.
1: Um So I am a cradle Catholic
2: as well. Uh, I come from a great family, uh, seven kids. So six boys, one girl. Um, And uh, my turning point was uh, middle of senior year. I took a trip up to the seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, And just the the bus ride there, um, there were these guys and they were reading and praying. And it was just, it was so inspiring. These guys were on fire. And uh, I said to myself, I want some of that. Um, so the whole trip, I met some some amazing guys. And uh, I don't know, it, it just kind of took off from there. I came home. And uh, over winter break, I really hit the books hard. And that was, that was when I first started my love for reading all all up until that point um, it was kind of it was kind of rough i didn't I didn't like reading that much, but uh, now I love it so um and i've yeah I, I keep pursuing that uh, call for my life um I want to grow more in that, so I'm attending one of the one of the best Catholic universities in the country,
0: yeah yeah. And just to give you guys background, these guys are the absolute authorities on spirituality and religion from the community that we've been a part of for the past four years. If you have a question about Eastern philosophies and religion, Nell is 100% the guy you go to and the exact same goes for Burke. Um, These guys' reputations are absolutely stellar uh, and for good reason, as you'll find out. And just quickly for me, I was raised Roman Catholic as well. I went to Our Lady of Victory, which is a fantastic school. I belong to that parish. And then uh, Detroit Catholic Central, which in many ways, I owe the person I am today to that high school uh, and the men who run it and the men who attended with me, I had the privilege of going to school with. And for me, it came um, down to a certain time in my life when I didn't know if it was something I wanted to engage in towards the end of my senior year of high school. um, I had the awesome Jason Jacket, the juicer uh, shout out uh, for my third semester. And I said, he had this sheet where we could ask questions. And I said, do you have any books for somebody who's looking for answers? And he gave me two. And one of them was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I just realized then if I wanted to be a man and an adult, that I needed to make decisions for myself. So I started reading and engaging and kind of taking it on my own shoulders. But I will not be doing most of the talking. No doubt. Um, and we're going to get into our our first pitch segment, as our loyal listeners will know that this is kind of like a, a little icebreaker. Um, and we took it from one of the Q&As. So, Pat, uh, just clarify. Yes. Uh, Absolutely.
1: Off what you said, you can throw the questions about uh, Eastern philosophy to me, but any questions that the viewers have about, you know, Christianity, throw those to yeah. Patrick and Burke yeah. here. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Um
0: So we're just going to talk about uh, one of my good friends, um, Anthony Davis, if you're out there, thank you for submitting your question. Um, He submitted a question about uh, the mark of the beast uh, from Revelation, the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, um, foretelling of the apocalypse in a way. And there is a certain conspiracy theory about that uh, having to do with a microchip that's either implanted in the center of your forehead or your right hand and I had to do some research on this but I'm not gonna ask you to confirm or deny the mark of the beast but I will just ask um, really quickly how how does technology impact your guys's life as a uh, engaged and um, conscious mindful individual
1: Burke, I'll let you take this
2: first yeah so it's either a, a detriment or a help depending on what you do with it um, I
0: don't know. It. uh... I mean, it's true. I feel like it's a tool, in a way. You know, you can use a tool for the right thing, or if you're trying to use a tool for a job that's not appropriate for, then it's a detriment. If you're using it to fill your time, just because, and Netflix and social media, which we talk about on the show often, it's not such a good thing.
1: I mean, for me, it's very important to have a, a clear understanding as to why these apps exist. These apps exist so that somebody can make money, right? In the end, right, like, Instagram wants you to think that Instagram is just there to make your life better. Mm-hmm. But Instagram exists to make money. And it's very important to recognize that going into it. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to keep your guard up.
0: Yeah. Burke, favorite apps for our Catholics out there? Any prayer apps for you?
1: Um, I
2: don't know. There's uh Uh, there's a abide is a is a really good one that's a that's a meditation app and um, it just helps you calm down uh, take a deep breath and uh, really just experience life and it gives great um, great scripture and it uh, it applies it beautiful Mm -hmm.
0: beautiful okay well that was a fantastic first pitch one of the best first pitches that we've thrown. Just interject, Pat. Of course.
1: Uh, I'd also like to recommend an app. Here. Yeah, yeah. All of my close friends know that I highly recommend WeCroak. Uh, ah, yes. Regardless of where you stand um, spiritually, I think it's it's an excellent app. It's just an app that five you, times a day you t- yep. sends you notification that says reminder you are going to die. Um, so it's it's called a, a memento mori app. Yeah. Just it just to remind you that you know you're not going to live forever because. I think a lot of us get a bit complacent in that regard. Oh, well, I have tomorrow. Um, And then you slide over, if you go into it, there's a quote. Some of them are very beautiful and inspirational. Some of them are very morbid.
0: Right, right. I think uh, that kind of stoicism is something that I appreciate. Um, We changed the decor for today's episode to our fantastic theology books, but normally... For those of you who are detail-oriented, you will see the meditations of Marcus Aurelius has a firm spot right next to me on most episodes, right? Oh, yeah. So, all right. We are going to jump in right now to the questions that you guys asked. Um, I apologize we can't get to them all today, but we are going to do our very best to answer as many as we can with as comprehensive answers as possible because we are always, always at Success in Dialogue committed to providing actionable and real advice no fluff in the cave that's a rule so we're gonna start off with a question submitted by Jen Petro how do you immerse yourself in spirituality on a daily basis and stay close in your faith no you want to start us off
1: yeah so I'll address the first part of the question I'm not exactly sure how to address the stay close in your faith aspect considering I don't practice my my beliefs yeah I I don't require any faith sure but I, I, I think uh, if you're on the constant search for answers, I mean, like, that that is just going to happen, right? And then when you find what you believe to be truth, right, that, that that is not something that you are going to forget. So if you're not engaged daily in your spiritual practice, it's probably because you haven't found yet what you believe is the truth.
2: Yeah. In a
1: way, it kind of lights a fire. Exactly. Yeah. Burke. I think the
2: three keys to stay engaged is uh when where and how so you need a time uh that you're going to uh, do your spiritual activities um you need a place like we humans thrive on habits um so just having that place to go to and it'll get you in the right uh, the rhythm and the right mindset uh, and also how Usually, you need some substance to engage your mind because it's. I'd say it's it's pretty easy to get bored sometimes, Uh, so I love um, scripture reading. The Bible is uh, to go to. I try to do a chapter a day. Um, And just quiet time for sure. What is we'll pick up more on that later. Right. What does the
0: where look like for you?
1: Uh, In my room, for sure.
0: Okay. You have a little station set up or just kind of on your desk? My or? Yeah, my chair. Yeah, okay.
1: Really, really well said. Uh, with anything, right, whether it's spiritual practice or anything else that, like, you want to do, um, failing to plan is planning to fail. So definitely thinking about those things. <laughs> wow.
0: Here we go, man. That's what we love to see. So thank you, Jen, for that question. And we're going to go into uh, a question submitted by... One of my my good Stanford brothers, Pablo Licayo, uh, listening from down south. Um, mm-hmm. Is it possible to be fully spiritually fulfilled in Catholicism or Eastern religion slash spirituality alone? So do you find that there is enough there on each side for a lifetime of engagement, if that makes sense?
1: Um, so in regards to... Eastern religion fulfilling you. Um, It's actually a misunderstanding to think that the philosophy itself will fulfill you. So it is said that uh, Zen is a finger pointing at the moon, and it's important not to mistake the finger for the moon. So it's pointing you towards something, towards a state of being, and towards a liberation. And regardless of how you find that liberation, right, once you find it, it is there. Okay. Yeah, I, I
2: agree. Um, I don't think that you can ever be fully fulfilled this side of eternity. I think after we die, uh, we're going to find out what's what's next, and then that would be the only way we'd be totally fulfilled. Um, a lot of the saints in the church, they say they have these moments of ecstasy where they're, like, so lifted up and they're so connected with God almost. Um, but then there's moments where they feel absolutely
1: nothing. They feel rejected by God. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, Burke, I'm going to completely disagree with you that fulfillment in this life um, is unattainable, but what do you, maybe what do you, you can talk about that <clears throat> Yeah,
0: so, well, what do you think... Where do you go now then? Do you go where the figure points? Do you start somewhere? Like what does that look like in terms of the life of, say, an eighteen twenty two year old
1: Yeah, so, so what it looks like, the, the beginning of it um, is increasing awareness, right? Um, I believe this life only happens once and that's it. And while you're here, you want to be fully aware of it happening. And a great way to practice awareness is to force yourself to pay attention to things that you normally do not pay attention to. And the classical one is the breath, mm. right? Simply sitting and studying the breath uh, is far easier said than done. When you try to do it, you realize how much your mind wanders. so hard. hard and Lord. how poor your awareness really is. So that's a good place to start. Okay. And that's basic meditation yes i mean that is like if i say meditation that is what i mean i mean simply sitting quietly and studying the breath do you practice often uh yes uh i will admit i'm a bit of a hypocrite i do not practice as much as i would like to yeah um because i mean let's face it it is difficult it is not easy and it is not always enjoyable and having said that it is totally 100 percent worth it
0: right Right. Burke.
2: I, I agree with that. I do that same thing. Um, I follow this guy, Dr. Gregory Bataro, who talks about mindfulness. That's a huge thing in psychology. Um, yeah, and it is the mental awareness that you need to have. And the breath is always with you, and it changes, it fluctuates. So that makes it easier to um, to, I guess, focus on. It's not constant and boring it changes a little bit so I like I like what he's saying
0: right okay Uh, Nell, do you just quickly do you think Mm -hmm. that how do I phrase this appropriately so you say fulfillment is possible Mm -hmm. begin with the breath work your way up do you think things that we would traditionally say provide fulfillment are warranted in that in that way say money career possessions and if you and if not where do you look instead
1: okay so first i'm gonna ask you a question what is it that results in a lack of fulfillment right and and the answer is sort of well actually it's just the feeling that you are not fulfilled it's just that feeling i don't think there's a specific lack of anything that that prevents fulfillment i think there are you know um, if you look at basically mystics of any religion, or hermits, um, people who go and live off on their own, who live very fulfilled lives with essentially nothing. So the lack of fulfillment comes from the perception that you are missing something. To tell a, a short parable, what are called Zen koans, probably one of many you'll hear today. Uh, My friends have all heard this too many times. We shall see. I'm sorry about that, but uh, there was a monk who was on a journey, and he came to this very wide river, and he sat there and pondered how to cross it, and he eventually decided that he couldn't, and just as he was about to turn around, he saw a master on the other side. So he yelled across, Teacher, how do I get to the other side? And the master paused for a moment and said, You are on the other side.
0: That's a good one. So that's it, a very good one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like fulfillment is something that we kind of, that's like a buzzword. Right. You know, something that we go after constantly. Um, maybe that's why you listen to podcasts. Right. Maybe that's why you read, you know, and in search of things. And you mentioned the search of truth. I feel like, Burke, you may have commentary further on where you find fulfillment.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll just say for a sec sort of so the, the the point of that story, first off, like most of the stories don't really have any point, but like if there that were would, one if there were if yeah, there sure, were one sure. it would be that like the, the lack of fulfillment comes from some desire for something that you don't have, generally speaking. Right. Anyway, Burke, your thoughts on fulfillment?
2: Um, before we get into that, I, I wanted to say this at the very beginning that like I don't know everything. And some of these questions that are coming at me are gonna be super tough. Um, of course. so I am a seeker and um it's a I am, attitude. Yeah, although you may not believe in God, I am going to I'm gonna say God's name a lot,
1: because uh, he is he's my Lord and well, Savior. Let's let's do this now then. Why don't we maybe all of us define God so the user they the users, so the listeners know what we mean when we say it. Sure, so, Burke, You first. That's a good. All that's right. a good question. God is the creator of the
2: heavens and the earth. Um, he first spoke to uh, the Jewish people, um, and then the turning point was when Jesus Christ came into the world. He is true God and true man, um, and uh, hang on a second. And he he's like. He's the main focus of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Christianity isn't about a set of principles; mm-hmm. it's about a person, Jesus Christ. There you go, man. Okay, okay.
1: so I I stick with the more classical right. Old Testament. Yes, um, which we explanation right explanation of God uh, when. Moses, was it Moses, asked God his name, and God says Yahweh, Mm -hmm. uh, which translates directly to I am who am, Mm -hmm. or I am what is, which I take to mean the totality of all existence, and to believe in that requires no faith whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So um, if I say God, that is what I mean, unless of course I'm, say, responding to Burke, in which case I'm referring to the, the Christian God, Patrick.
0: Yeah, for me, I think, obviously from what I said at the beginning, I'm going to lean a little bit more with Burke, but to me, I would say God is a creator who is involved not in the sense that he's moving us like chess pieces, but involved in, in a sense of investment in the outcome of our lives, a, a benevolent creator of sorts. I don't pretend to have any characteristics of God nailed down because, um, like we said, you know, we just got two completely different ideas of God from the same book. Uh, Fortunately for me, I was able to take uh, the Bible and its interpretations this year, and in the class at Notre Dame, we discussed a lot of the differences between an Old Testament and New Testament God and conflicts within the Bible. But I think that that is a good place to start. I think that in terms of traditional doctrine, yes, triune God, um, as I don't understand fully, as I said, I think that that direction for me uh, has been fruitful, and that's where I would go and say what God is. But thanks for bringing that up because it is an, it is an important question um, to answer. So, where were we? Oh, fulfillment.
2: fulfillment. Yeah, you were saying um, you're talking about feelings. <clears throat> Christianity is not about feelings. Uh, so often we make it about feelings. Like, if I'm not. If I'm not feeling good, then God doesn't love me. Um, I don't know. It's it, it is a grind for sure, and um, we say that fulfillment comes through the feelings. So I do I do like the feelings, but I'm trying to move away from that. Um, but yeah, the fulfillment is the journey, really. We're mm-hmm. not yeah we're not going to know these answers. We're not God. I think that's one of the biggest things in life to know is there is a God and you're not him. You're just a man. So.
0: And who told you that?
2: Uh, I don't
0: know. Wasn't that? Maybe maybe
2: Jacket. Yeah. God, we'll Jacket, give him some Jacket credit. Jacket says that. We'll him.
0: give him some credit. <laughs> um, okay then. We're going to, after that conversation, turn to something that's really interesting, raised by a fellow CC brother, uh, David DeBacker, who goes to the Fine University Our ladies University mm-hmm. Go Irish um, He asked Is it ethical To raise your children In a religion And All three of us Having been raised In some Form or fashion In a religion I feel like this is Going to be an interesting one We'll throw it to you first Burke
2: Alright uh, So my opinion On this is that Children Definitely do need A religion um, My opinion Would be Catholic But I don't know Take it or leave it Um and I think just, just focusing on the, um, the fragility of children is very important. Um, they don't even know how to go to the bathroom sometimes. Um, they don't know what kind of food to eat. They could eat candy all day long and think it's good for them. Like, it feels good, it tastes good. Right. It, it's good for me, right? right. No, it's, it's not. So it's kind of the same way with um, with like discipline too, so if you're not to say that like i'm going to let my children decide, and that is so true, you let them decide at the at the age of reason, but I think like the true age of reason is sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, um, kind of when you're moving out of the house, becoming a man um, so to say that like I'm not going to give my child uh, a religion basically is saying I'm not going to discipline them. Or you, you definitely, if you don't have a religion, you definitely need to, to push that hard as a parent. I'd say. Okay.
1: No. Um, before I answer, can I ask, uh, I don't see the inherent coupling of religion and discipline. Uh, could you maybe go into that a little bit more okay it's it's basically
2: how society functions um, yeah we we need order or else people are going to go around stealing murdering so I think that I think that's a huge component
1: of. so you're saying morality yes really okay yeah. okay Because because when I think of discipline I think more of like the choices that you make on a daily basis to do and accomplish the things that you want to. But you're, you're speaking more about morality yeah, here. Okay, yeah.
0: That's a good distinction.
1: Right. I, I feel like we use it in both senses. Yeah. Term. I mean, should should Discipline we, not should we agree that to use morality when speaking about what Burke's speaking about here, just so we can be clear? Is that fair to you?
2: Yeah. I'm going to try uh, to be precise with
1: my words. Okay. So anyway I'll, I'll answer the question now. Um, <laughs> let's do it I'll say it is absolutely it is uh, absolutely ethical to raise your children in a religion. Um, for my CS people out there, I'll show this by sort of a subtle proof by contradiction. So okay. let's assume that it is unethical to raise your children in a religion then it is also unethical to te- to teach your children any ideology because all ideologies are filled with tons of arbitrations whether that's math, whether that's chemistry, whether that's physics. And I don't think anyone would say that it's unethical to teach your children math. What is unethical is to teach your children anything without teaching them to question it. So to teach your children something and say it is true because it is true or like just accept it, that is unethical.
0: I would agree wholeheartedly, and I think you would as well, Burke, because all three of us have at this point and hopefully most of the listeners out there have at this point – You know, you were raised by your family, but now we're at the age where uh, you need to start questioning. And hopefully that that questioning was something that you learned growing up, right? Because to realize that all at once would be quite the realization. I mean, when when you say, like, it's it's a skill that's developed. Right. Yeah. Okay. And for me, I mean, just quickly, I think a lot of the things that I've learned and a lot of the role models that I have come from the faith. And if... You know, you you see a lot of times people who are raised in the faith, people who are raised strictly, oftentimes rebel or go away from that. And take that for what you will, but sometimes there does need to be a balance between introducing um, somebody to something or just kind of like waterboarding them with it. I mean, for the lack of a better term, like that's sometimes how it is. Let's be real. So in terms of practically raising your kid to hopefully, you know, be happy And accomplish what they want to accomplish. I feel like it's a good kind of system, maybe, to give them that idea of morality and normalcy in religion. Right. Fair? For sure. Okay. That was a great question. Thank you, David, because, you know, we're kind of getting to that age where we kind of ask those questions, I think. Now, here's here's an intellectual heavy hitter submitted by uh, the intellectual heavy hitter herself, Quinn McKenna. Uh, from the University of Notre Dame. Do we have free will and does the difference between foreknowledge and foreordination matter? No, to you.
1: Before we answer, Pat, Go just ahead. spell out for the listeners uh, the the difference between foreknowledge and fore,
0: foreordination. So in th- the difference between Okay, so foreknowledge basically is the idea that God knows everything that will happen and has known everything that happened for all of eternity, whatever that may be. And then foreordination is that things are predetermined, kind of like a a set of dominoes. Right. Um, So the question there being, um, do you really have, obviously, control over what you do? And if yes or if no, what role does God have to play in that and should it be disconcerting your answer there's a lot of different ways to go here right. and i've heard a ton of different opinions on this
1: yeah i mean my my first reaction to this is sort of that it doesn't matter
0: which is rational
1: <laughs> and the reason i say that is because regardless of whether or not like i actually have free will I certainly feel like I do right I certainly feel like it is completely my choice whether or not I punch you in the face right now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maybe that's not the case (laughs) powerhouse gym baby that's right Um, but the fact that I feel like that is the case and that I have a certain level of control and free will I, I I think that's enough I don't really know any reason to sort of say we don't have free will, other than you've got a really good argument that we don't, or you're just using it as an
0: excuse to hide behind. That's what I think it is because, I mean, I don't know if it's become apparent on this show, but I love solutions and rationality, and certainly applicable advice is something that I beat over the head because that's what I like. And I think in terms of the question of free will, let's say you do come up with an answer of free will. Let's say right here we found out in some discernible way whether or not we had free will. Then what? Right. Do we sit here? Yeah. Do we commit suicide? Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you have to operate still in life regardless of the answer. I don't think that means that we shouldn't ask the question by any means. Right. That's why I brought it up. I love talking about it, but I just wanted to make that known that And you answered that in a really rational way. So, Burke, what do you think, man?
2: Uh, one thing I love, this is from an atheist, Christopher Hitchens, actually. He said, uh, we have no choice but to have free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of saying it's it's like a given, I guess. Um, but you had mentioned, you said, God will know everything that's going to happen in your life. That's one of the points. It's not God will know. It's God knows. We had talked about the present moment, the breath. God is in the present moment. He's not anywhere else. He's not in the future. He's not in the past. He's not even in time. He's mm-hmm. outside of time as well. Mm-hmm what we believe so yeah you you make these choices here
1: and now and that's it so so you're sort of saying that I I have the choice of whether or not to punch Patrick God your God already knows whether I'm going to
0: punch him or not though
1: yes okay
0: mm. and you think he does or does not control whether or not he's going to punch I don't him?
2: think he he can make you choose something Okay. It's your choice.
0: Okay, that's a good answer. Do you think, I guess the next question would be, uh, no, we had a conversation a few days ago about this, and I think that <clears throat> you brought up if there were a way, and maybe in the future there will be, to predict the movement of every single particle you know, in the universe. Right. Okay, I wouldn't put any cap on science or technology, but even then, does foreknowledge necessarily mean that you have no control, right? And that means every neuron in every brain and how they interact and intersect with one another.
1: Okay, so here's the good part. We will never know that. Okay. <laughs> um but if we did, I think you said it earlier, like I don't like it wouldn't change anything. Right. It's not gonna change how you act and carry yourself, and it's not I'm not just gonna throw the towel in the bag and say, Oh, it's it's decided. Yeah, There's nothing else. It's over. Do. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Because you're still going to, okay, that's right. And you said the uh, Stephen Hawking quote, I'll allow you to repeat it, I won't steal it.
1: Well, yeah, so (laughs) Stephen Hawking said, uh, I've noticed how even those who believe that everything is decided in advance uh, look both ways before they cross the road. Yeah, that's a great quote.
0: Um, And I I like the way that you both approach that in terms of applicable to one's life. We're going to remember that later in the episode. Uh, Next question. Great question, Quinn. Thank you very much. Um, Are all people deserving of kindness and forgiveness, no matter the negative choices they have made? Submitted by our good friend and CC brother, Kybro, Bobby Reith Miller.
1: Hmm. I'll say first, if this Quinn McKenna happens to be related to Terrence McKenna, then...
0: I don't think so. Okay. She has a few... Um, well known relatives but I don't know if Terrence McKenna is among them okay but well, she's food nice of the gods by Terrence McKenna
1: if you haven't read it you need to
0: okay write that down, write that down. yeah Burke is a big writing guy note taking anyway for Bobby's question while Burke is writing now we'll throw it to you
1: sorry what, what was the question uh, right? it was about no all good
0: it was about uh, are all people deserving of kindness and forgiveness no matter the negative choices that they have made
1: uh, yes I mean th- right I mean the, the, the short answer here um, is yes I mean you know if if you are truly you know repentful if that's a word um, then I see no reason why you don't deserve that having said that this is kind of a tricky question for me to answer since I don't take the traditional view on right and wrong anyways
0: okay Okay, pin in that, Burke. You're up.
1: Yeah, love is.
2: That is the foundation of every single thing, in life. I believe. Um, Saint Augustine said, "My weight is my love." So that's what we're going to be judged on. We're not going to be judged on intelligence, for example, but how well we loved other people.
1: That puts us all on a level playing field. Yeah. So good, Burke I just I have to say this now. You said earlier, Christianity was not about feelings, and at the present moment, I'm not sure if love is anything more than a feeling. So how do you reconcile those two ideas? Love is a choice, love is an action, it's
2: willing the good of the other. Mm. Uh, we hear that so many times in uh, in our classes, so it's yeah it's not what
1: you feel from it necessarily it's what you give it's what you pour out i see no that 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 is beautiful and well said
0: i'd agree i'd agree um we are approaching the the 40 minute deadline but i want to ask now so do you think looking at the clock we have time to address your view of right and wrong before we take the break
1: why not? I, I, I think we can Let's do it. Let's give
0: them a teaser and then on Thursday they'll we'll they'll hear about it more.
1: Yeah, so I don't really believe or I do not believe in any objective uh, morality uh, because uh, it if you look in, say, like physics, it's really hard for us to even find, like, an objective physicality for, like, where things are and what they are doing. So for anyone who knows anything about quantum mechanics, and I know very little, I am simply regurgitating – um Quantum mechanics uh, predicts what happens to certain particles, but it, it, it makes predictions when we're not looking at it, when we're not observing it. And when we observe it, it breaks down. So we literally cannot know what is going on in this moment sure, when, yes. we, when we don't observe it. And there's sort of two main interpretations of it. There's... Um, the interpretation where it is uh, the wave function is is a probability it's a set of probabilities for what is likely to happen and then one of them happens the other interpretation is the many worlds interpretation which yes. says that all the possible events do happen and our trajectory through time you know uh, gives us the way the way that we see it so there's you know from, from a, a physics standpoint right I mean that's a methodology that is extremely Bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And then when we find problems with it, we say, oh, we're going to find a way to fix those problems, right? If we can't find objectivity there, I don't see why we should expect to find it in morality. And so, Pat, you may ask me then, well, is, is killing somebody not wrong? And I would say to you, well, is it inherently wrong? N- no, but... Is it stupid? Yes, right. I mean, let's take a biological view here. Like, it's it's not like going to help the success of the human race for me to kill you. Mm-hmm. Now, it may help that for me to kill Hitler. Mm-hmm. So, right. but but generally speaking, right? That would be my argument as to say why. That's why I don't kill people because yeah.
0: I think it's stupid. Yeah, that's a fantastic argument. Um, like I said, extremely rational. On Thursday, you guys are going to get the privilege of hearing. Burke's response, more extrapolation from now and my commentary on this question and a ton of other questions. Um, and we'll save time for shout outs at the end of next episode. And uh, we will see you guys on Thursday. Hopefully you enjoyed this segment one of Success in Dialogue, season one, episode four. See you on Thursday for segment two. Thanks very much, guys. And uh, in this midweek break, go Well, guys, there you have it. Season one, episode four of Success in Dialogue, part one, part one, don't forget, Spirituality featuring Brendan Burke and Brendan Now. And guys, we continue this conversation right off the bat on Thursday at noon. So tune in then for sure. As always, follow us on Spotify. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or if you have Apple Podcasts, please go leave us a rating, write a review. I read all of them. I enjoy all of them. And I thank you guys for engaging. All the people who submitted questions, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. And all of you who shared my video of earlier this week and who will share this video on social media, thank you. That is how this grows. That's how this gets bigger. It's not because of me. It's because of you guys. And it's for you guys. So thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed this new, a little shorter episode time. And we will see you on Thursday at noon sharp for part two. Of Success in Dialogue with Patrick Lee, Season 1, Episode 4, Spirituality. In the meantime, go get it.